Hey there, and welcome to episode number 56 of the Food as Medicine show with Dr. Ann, the place to be for real talk with real people and real results so you can heal yourself naturally. I'm your host, Dr. Ann, and I'm a board-certified pharmacist and health coach specializing in treating thyroid, cholesterol, and gut conditions without medications. You can learn more about me at drann.com, spelled A-N-H as in healthy. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. It's been a little crazy here as I've been preparing for a trip to Africa because one of my friends from college is getting married in Tanzania, and I want to make sure that I'm all set. You know, of course, I'm super excited about the trip, but really my biggest concern is that I don't want to pick up a weird disease or get sick while I'm over there. So, you know, better safe than sorry. I'm putting together a big medicine cabinet that I'm bringing with me, you know, in case anything happens. And I'm really excited also about, you know, being there because I'll be creating some time, um, some distance and some space for me to do some creative work and some planning for the new year. You know, it's mostly been a team of me, myself, and I, and, you know, someone who helps me with the podcast production. But in the coming year, I would really want to uh, bring in some more great content, podcast more often, and collaborate with some of the amazing guests that you've heard on the show. So I really hope that you stay tuned because there's going to be some some great new um, developments for the podcast and for the Food as Medicine community. Also, one of my goals for the coming year is that you know, I'd love to get to 100 reviews on iTunes before 2016. So it really only takes about two minutes for you to let us know what you think about the show and, you know, what you'd like to hear more of. And it really also helps us spread the food as medicine message. And you can leave a review by clicking on the review tab on your iPhone when you're listening to the show. Or if you're listening through your computer, you can go to drann.com review for some detailed instructions on how to do that. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. A thousand thanks and a big hug. <laughs> and also, please tell your friends, whoever you think can benefit from the show or enjoy the message, we would really love for you to tell them about the show. I really appreciate your help on this. Before we get to the episode, I want to let you know that the opinions expressed on this show may not represent my opinions, and the show is for general information only, not a substitute for medical care. So prior to beginning any new health program, I recommend that you consult with a qualified health professional. In today's episode, I chat with Magdalena Shalaki, who is a certified holistic health coach accredited by the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. She received her education from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition in New York City, and before becoming a health coach, she had a long, fast-paced career as a strategic planner for the advertising powerhouse WPP in both Asia and the United States. Her journey with health issues and the failure of the conventional medical world to adequately address them started with Graves' disease in 2001, later Hashimoto's disease in 2008, and stage 2 adrenal fatigue. In 2012, she was diagnosed with estrogen dominance and high heavy metal toxicity. Every part of her journey made her wiser, kinder, and more patient, and today she is in remission from both her Graves' disease and Hashimoto's, her adrenals feel rested, and she has managed to reverse her estrogen dominance. She feels better today as a 40-year-old woman than she did in her, in her 20s. In today's episode, Magdalena and I talk about what types of foods to focus on to balance your hormones naturally, when you have cravings, what types of nutrients you might be missing, how to keep a food journal to better understand your symptoms, how to reframe negative self-talk, 
how to examine your body shape and where you carry your weight so that it could be an indicator of which types of hormones might be out of balance and more. All right, let's go chat with Magdalena. So welcome, Magdalena, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so um, I was on your website and I just kind of, I love your story. I mean, you've got such a diverse and, um, and just kind of a great story about where you came from and, and how you got to where you are today. So would you mind just kind of sharing briefly uh, your journey to, to how you got to be, you know, a, a hormones expert? Yeah, sure. So like with a lot of people, I think, you know, it all came because of personal experience and having struggled with hormones for most of my life. Uh, anything from being diagnosed with Graves' disease in my late 20s to Hashimoto's disease um, in my early 30s, and then having a lot of digestive issues, uh, sluggish liver, which I didn't know about at that time, um, adrenal fatigue, again, didn't know it at that time, and then uh, managed to actually get everything into place. And then suddenly estrogen dominance came along, you know, uh, seemingly out of the blue, along, <clears throat> alongside, you know, with candida for many years, uh, parasites, heavy metals. So I've gone through a lot. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those things impact our hormones without us even realizing it. Yeah. Well, so I actually have a question where you, I know you were in, in China, right, for your work. And do you think, you know, being in that environment contributed to your, your health as well? Or uh, was it just a variety of factors? I think it was a variety of factors. I think it would be unfair to say, you know, China alone, even though, you know, I lived there just before the Olympics in 2008. And so that was, you know, everybody knew about the pollution being a big factor. But, you know, I'm not going to deny the fact that I used to say that I'll sleep when I die. And I will sleep, you know, sometimes five, four hours a day. Um, and, you know, have a lifestyle of getting up in early in the morning to go to the gym or, you know, and, and then come home at nine o'clock and have dinner then and all that kind of stuff, you know, that today I know better. Um, using coffee as a, as, as a power, you know, as a, as a vehicle to really get through the day, um, you know, and, and just really poor eating habits. I used to be a smoker. Um, drinking was a big part of, you know, of our lifestyle as it, a lot of times it is when you are living when you we're living the expatriate life, but also having, I used to work in advertising. So it was a big social scene there. So definitely a lot of those factors, but you know, but also when I look back at it, it's things like not being a breastfed baby, always having a lot of digestive issues unaddressed. I thought by removing gluten and dairy and eggs because eggs were my problem. I thought I did myself a big favor and everything was great and it definitely was helpful, but it wasn't enough. So yeah, for sure. It's, you know, and then living in Asia, probably picked up a parasite. I was lingering on for a very long time. And that actually, you know, I've managed to reverse my Hashimoto's and got it really in a much better place. But then suddenly Candida came back and I didn't know where it was coming from. And it turned out that I had heavy metals and a parasite problem. And I think the heavy metals largely came from China, you know, and then having amalgam filling. So I don't think it was one thing. I think it was just this perfect storm of a lot of <laughs> things. <laughs> you know, it, that seems to be the case with the people I talk to on the show. So, um, you know, how did you approach all these things? Where did you even start to start to feel better and start to heal yourself? Yeah, you know, I always like to start off with a gut. I think you work the same way, right? It always starts with a gut. And there are a few lucky people who can just get off gluten and dairy and reduce sugar and they're good to go. And there is others who really struggle with it. And, and, and that's not enough. And then you know, going deeper will be definitely needed, right? So, you know, in my case, it was candida, it was the heavy metals, it was the parasite. And I see this, 
together with, you know, I think there's a lot of these infections that I've been seeing now with, with people in my community, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, um, a lot of, you know, H. pylori, all these kind of things can really inhibit our ability of healing the gut, right? So I think working deeper, going deeper in, with a practitioner who really understands that scene like, like you, um, medically, it's, I think it's really, really important. Otherwise, just start off with the elimination diet. I think, you know, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, I'm a big fan of doing the elimination diet, coupling that with keeping a journal of what's going on and really tuning into your body, like really, really listen to what your body's telling you. Um, I think it's a wonderful starting point. Yeah, I love that you mentioned it. You know, I know sometimes it can be difficult to implement, but um, it is the gold standard and people can really figure out a lot of things that, you know, may even be missed on a food sensitivity test, you know, so um, that's a really great place to start. Plus, you Um, know, can I just mention about the journal? I mean, I think the journal is just journaling, generally, sorry, journaling generally is a very therapeutic uh, activity. But one of the things a lot of people are finding is when they keep a journal, is how much of patterns there is, how much of processed carbohydrates I'm actually consuming, how much sugar there is, um, how, what's the conversation I have with myself, how often I get a diarrhea, because that's one of the things in a journal you might want to keep is, is your poop, right? It's just look at your poop because it tells you what's going on on the inside. Uh, I like to use the Bristol stool charts, you know, and just describing that. So really, really that, that is a huge piece of the puzzle to be on detective. Mm. You know, so what are what are things that people you recommend people write in the journal? You kind of briefly mentioned like, um, you know, how you're feeling, your 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 stool quality. Are there any other things that you suggest people write on a consistent basis in their journal to kind of track their symptoms and what's going on? Yeah, so um, definitely food, how you feel. So the feeling is anything from mental function. So it's like happy or depressed or just blah, uh, empathetic um, or tired, you know, say physical quality of sleep. So that's one column that I have is for how you feel, right? Um, another one is is this is this tool. <clears throat> so like I mentioned, stool, Bristol stool chart. Um, how much water are you consuming? I think that's really an important one. Um, for a lot of people, it comes as a shocker. They only drink two glasses of water, you know, a day, right? Um, duh. <laughs> like, no, that has to go up. But, you know, a lot of times we just even don't notice that if we are not a habitual water drinker. Um, and, you know, for some women who tend to be very self-critical, I do have a column of that self-conversation. And then mm. it's just to be spotting a conversation we have with ourselves, because I feel like there's a lot of, especially for these, a lot of women who are perfectionists. And, you know, if, if I don't keep a hundred percent diet, then I must well screw it up and go and binge. Mm. Um, there's a lot of the self-conversation that goes on and catching words and phrases such as I have to, I must, you know, I need to, and really reframing that to where it's like, I choose to do this what am I, what is my body telling me, you know, do I really have to, or is it something that my body is calling for, for help, you know, so it's just reframing of the talk conversations we have. Yeah. So, okay. I really love that piece because I think the retraining of the mind is a very important part of the healing process. Right. So uh, I wanted to maybe get some specifics about doing that. So first it's like, recognizing how often that happens through the journaling, right? So now that you recognize it and okay, I'm a type A personality too. So I, you know, I catch myself, I recognize it. And then I start to beat myself up. I'm like, okay, I shouldn't be beating myself up. So like, what are some, some ways that you can, or you help people, um, 
reframe that right to to so now they recognize it and then using different language um is that kind of the process or are, are there other tips that you can provide yeah absolutely so first of all is recognizing there is this harshness in a conversation or there is this victim energy or there is this blaming and not taking responsibility for things right so um, so let's just talk about, let's say, anger and blame. I think those are the two very common ones, right? You're just angry with yourself and there's a lot of guilt and shame attached to that, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's, then it's approaching you from a place of kindness and saying, and that's okay. You know, for most people, it does not, I mean, my diet it took me 15 years to be like 100% now. You know, it really has. In the first five years, it was always something coming up. Um, I mean, do I cheat? I don't cheat. I just, I can do it now because I feel like it doesn't impact my body um, in the same degree. But let me tell you, most people, it takes them years to get to a place of being really good, right? So approaching from a place of kindness and asking, can I be kinder to myself? Can I forgive myself? And tomorrow is another day. So that's one thing. The other thing about, you know, um, when it comes to just anger and it's sort of like, why is it happening? Why is that? Why am I so weak in doing this? Right. Is to actually reframe it. And I like to ask the question uh, or for the person to ask the question, what is my body telling me? So for example, if you're craving sugar, right? Sugar craving is typically, I see it for two, two reasons. Number one is could be an emotional thing because you having, you having a, say a dopamine or serotonin low and you need sugar to bring it all up. And that's because you're feeling shit about yourself and, and that's got a lot to do with a lot of stuff from the past, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of abuse. You know, I've worked with women before who had terrible parents and chocolate and going in a cap in a closet cloak and locking out the closet and sitting with a whole bunch of candy was the only constellation they had, right? And so, so we reach out sometimes to sugar because of an emotional dip we're experiencing. And so don't be angry with yourself about the sugar. It's about an emotional stuff that needs to be fixed from before, right? But it could also be a physiological need, such as candida. Like if you have yeast overgrowth happening, then you're craving sugar like crazy. So mm. it's, it's really just listening to that element and saying, you know, what is my body telling me? And, and if it needs something, like if I'm craving meat and I'm vegetarian, then go and have meat because your body's telling you something you know, and, and I'm not very popular with vegetarians and I'm sorry if I'm upsetting anyone here, but I'm just <laughs> telling you that's what, you know, that's how it works. I wish we didn't, we could all be vegetarians and fortune doesn't work for most people. Hmm. So that's, that's really what it is. It's, it's just asking that question. What is my body telling me? What does it need from me? How can I help it? Hmm. I love that. So like instead of, instead of responding with anger, just responding with curiosity, right. And under, trying to understand what's going on and yeah. kindness. Yeah. Kindness. Yeah. And I, yeah. <laughs> that comment about you're not popular with vegetarians, like I, you know, I have come to understand and, you know, I've had conversations with Isabella about this, about not being a martyr for your beliefs, right? Because if, if you believe that, um, you know, being a vegetarian is, is something you feel strongly about, but then your body is reacting in such a way that yeah. isn't supporting your health, maybe that's not the best decision for, for your own health. So um, I think that's really important, something, a thing to consider and think about. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, like I, I have, uh, I had clients before who were pregnant and they will say, you know, I'm really like, I want to be vegetarian for my child. And, and then they, and then they admitted that they would walk by the meat section in at Whole Foods and be having those incredible cravings for a burger. And so, you know, and, and it, and it breaks my heart to hear things like that because it's like, what is your body telling you? You know, instead they opt to have like vitamin B12 shots and then taking iodine supplementally. It's not the same. So mm -hmm. 
cravings come and go, you know, um, the sugar cravings, I think is one thing. And then you were talking about the meat cravings. So are there, is there a distinction between, you know, what cravings you should listen to and what cravings might not be the best for you? Certainly. A craving is actually one of my favorite topics, right? Because I always feel like a craving is a body, as our body's way of telling us what it needs from us. And whether it's to rebalance us hormonally or whether it's rebalance us nutritionally, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same, really. It's all connected, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, other ones I would say, you know, is things like craving chocolate, which is an evident magnesium deficiency. Um, craving, you know, an interesting one is craving dairy. And, and dairy for two reasons. Number one, actually, there's the same reason, but dairy is a lot of times actually an emotional craving more than anything else. And because of casein, which is the protein that's found in, in dairy, it works on the same part of the brain as opiates do, right? So like if you're talking about smoking um, or doing um, uh, heroin or um, smoking opium, it, it works exactly. And that's, it's a numbing mechanism, right? So that's why we call it comfort food. I mean, you don't call a bunch of carrots and and uh, hummus uh, comfort food, right? Yeah. But we do call, I mean, mac and cheese is comfort food, right? Ice cream is a comfort food. Why? It's because of the gluten and the dairy in it. And so a lot of times dairy is actually an emotional craving. And, you know, coming from advertising, I know this more than probably most people is willing, are willing to admit, um, is that, you know, we used to make commercials and place them late at night for ice cream. Mm -hmm. Those ice creams that are specifically addressed towards women who are single, who are lonely, late at night, sinking their miseries and loneliness and unhappiness in a bucket of ice cream in front of a TV set. You know, those commercials were played exactly that time. So, so there is another one. Um, I think salty foods, you know, typically I see this as a deficiency, mineral deficiency, um, but also it could also be adrenal exhaustion. So people are so afraid of salt um, for the publicity that salt got. Sea salt is perfectly great. Himalayan salt is wonderful. Um, I like to start off my day, unless you're doing thyroid medication, but otherwise I, I like for my clients to start a day with um, a, a warm glass of water with some lemon juice in it or apple cider vinegar and a quarter of a teaspoon of salt, sea salt. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I, mean, I know we've talked about craving on you know other episodes, but not specifically what nutrients might be missing as a result of the craving. So, um, you know, you are a specialist in really creating delicious meals. Like I look at your recipes and I look at the photos and I'm like salivating looking at them. So, you know, what are some of your favorite um, ways to balance hormones nutritionally? Um, how do you teach people to approach um, hormone balance from, from the food perspective? Yeah. Yeah. So the way I like to think of it, it's a little bit, it's like a three-legged stool. I'm actually writing a book about it. And I was just talking to my um, coach about that, that, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a strong analogy to say your hormones, it's like a three-legged stool, you know, and you can sit on that stool comfortably as long as all three legs are solid, right? And three legs I'm talking about is your digestion, your liver, and your sugar levels. And if those three are in a fairly good place, then you, you're hormonally pretty good, right? Um, the problem is that most people are not. And if one of the legs, same as in a stool, right? If one of the legs is missing, you're going to tip over, right? So that's exactly what happens. And the biggest one that I always like to start off with is the digestion. So the, the same thing when we, when we go back to the beginning of our conversation here, right? Is repairing the gut. Uh, elimination of all the uh, food sensitivities is huge. 
But the other thing is that the reason why I start off with the gut in a big way is because there is something that is now gaining more traction and that's under that's our understanding of how the gut bacteria in the gut can actually impact the expression of the hormones. And specifically, there is a subset of bacteria called the estrobolum, which is responsible for metabolizing estrogens. And this research, Dr. Claudia Plotel, who is doing a lot of research for, the, for NYU, has written a number of papers that, that conclude that the, the health of our estrobolum, or basically your gut bacteria, is, has a, is in direct correlation with estrogen metabolites. And, you know, if, if the term estrogen um, uh, dominance doesn't tell you much, basically, we can talk about the symptoms in a minute if you, if you like, but um, it, it basically means you, don't, you have too much of, of um, harmful estrogens that were broken down and not evacuated properly, and you don't have enough the protective ones or something to block off the receptors. So, you know, estrogen dominance is a serious condition because if you're talking about, if we're talking about like prevention of breast cancer, treatment of breast cancer, thyroid cancers, um, cancers of the ovaries, uterus, are all what we call estrogenic cancers, you know, and that's a, and that's a huge topic in itself for most women, right? I mean, I work with women and so there's so many women who, who suffer from that. Um, so yeah, so, so that's a big part of, you know, that's a big part of, um, of what I do. And then the second one is the function of the liver, something that I think, you know, for most practitioners is kind of a novelty that liver actually plays a big role in detoxifying us from hormones, right? And so you have, the methylation pathway, the sulfation pathways, and we need good nutrition to, to support us through that. So, uh, I mean, there's so many things that we can do for a liver. So any food that's rich, for example, in, in sulfur, right? So things like onions and garlic and the cruciferous vegetables are wonderful. People with thyroid are so scared of the cruciferous. You shouldn't be. As long as you cook them lightly for thyroid, they're perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are practitioners who say that raw cruciferous are, are perfectly fine for thyroid. I have seen it a little bit both ways. I'm, I'm a little bit more conservative on that. Um, you know, what else? Um, anything that stimulates bile flow, right? That supports the liver. So, you know, I love to work with things like dandelion greens, um, whether you do it through, um, you know, whether you juice them or saute them or make a pesto out of them. It's, it's just easy way of incorporating them um, into your diet. And then parsley, you know, parsley, anything that's bitter, right? Stimulates bile flow. It's very detoxifying for the liver. So those are some of the things for the liver. And then the third one is our sugar levels, you know, and um, one of the shockers I have to tell you when I moved to the United States was how much sugar there was in everything. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that is, <laughs> this country is crazy. There is sugar even in beer. Like I had Australian friends who came here and they're like, this crazy, this country is crazy. They even have, you know, sugar and beer. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't taste right. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, you know, it's our... Um, it's, it's just, I mean, if you have the, having that feeling of being moody, um, unfocused, uh, shaky when hungry, right? That's a classic case of hypoglycemia. That's the starting point. That's how most people start off with before it becomes diabetes, before it becomes insulin resistance. You can catch it early. And, you know, my favorite ways of just fixing that is, first of all, start looking how much sugar there is in your diet and everything. And you'll be shocked how much all the little drinks that you're getting, how much the canned food and and stuff in bottles are just loaded with sugar in in the United States. Um, so that's one thing. I mean, four grams of sugar is equal one teaspoon. So go and do the math, right? You'd be surprised, you know, how, I mean, just even picking up like a coffee from, 
from Starbucks or whatever. I'm, I mean, Starbucks puts it on their website, right? I'm just picking one example. Frappuccino, Starbucks Frappuccino has got 69 grams of sugar. That's oh. 17 teaspoons of sugar, right? So, you know, and how many people are having now for breakfast? <laughs> I mean, they were boasting about like a million customers buying it every day. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's one thing. And how to fix it, my favorite way of working with sugar levels is to really have a really, really good breakfast. You know, I'm a big, I'm a real, real big proponent of having breakfast that's full of protein, fat, and fiber, not carbohydrates, not cereals, not fruits for breakfast. You can have fruit, but with protein, with good um, fiber, um, then, you know, that's, I feel like that stabilizes the day so nicely that we don't have those dips and we don't crave sugar as much. Yeah, you know, I love that you changed the last one of protein, fat and fiber, because, you know, the macronutrients are protein, fat and carb. And when someone thinks of a carb, they think of like pasta, or they think of rice, or they think of sweet potato. But really, you can get your carbohydrates from fiber sources like, you know, um, broccoli and green beans and yeah. spinach and kale. So so making that distinction of fiber, I think is really important. Because um, I think people can easily incorporate protein and fat, but it's the fiber that sometimes gets missed. Right. And, you know, uh, one of my favorite ways of incorporating fiber for especially for a woman who's dealing with estrogen dominance um, is uh, is to incorporate two tablespoons of flaxseed, ground flaxseed every day. That's just a great way of solving that. And, you know, your PMSs are going to improve, your moods are going to improve, you're gonna, your regularity of your periods is going to improve, hot flashes might go away. There's just a, a lot of amazing things can happen. Do you put that in your smoothie or how do you do the the... Uh, um, flax seeds. Yeah. So anything. Yeah. So flax, exactly that. Or if I'm making pancakes on Sundays, I, I love to make those uh, plantain pancakes that are grain free, egg free, mm -hmm. uh, with the flax seed smoothies. Um, sometimes I have it just in a glass of water just to make sure that I get it for the day. Mm, okay. No, you get the the whole flax seeds and then you grind them yourself. Is that right? I grind it for a week for a week's worth. Um, yeah, because they get oxidized very quickly. So we want to have it fresh. And the fresher they are, the more potent they are too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you yeah. ever make uh, crackers or anything from your flax seeds? I do. In fact, the gift that I have for everybody has got um, what I call the estrogen boosters and progesterone supporting uh, crackers that are made with flax seeds. So yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Great. Yeah. You know, I've had some good um, flacker recipes, right? But or um, from the box, but never had made my own. So I, I look forward to, to trying some on my own. Yeah, those are great. Uh, they just kind of don't have a strong flavor. And I, um, I just developed them to, to, you know, to jazz them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree with you. I think the pre made ones, like sometimes it's like you can still like get the, you know, you know, you know, it's flaxseed, but I like the ones that have high flavor. So I'll look forward to that. Yeah. So, okay, great. Now, as far as hormones, right, um, you know, I, we know that they play a big role in um, energy and adrenal fatigue. So um, are there any uh, hormones that are kind of the big culprits that, you know, are always a problem for people um, that you deal with on a regular basis? On their, you mean related to fatigue? Re yeah, related to fatigue and like, like energy. Right. Yeah. So thyroid definitely is the first one that comes to mind. Um, highly under under diagnosed in this country, always insists on getting your antibodies done and work with a practitioner, really understanding the functional medicine ranges and not what the lab gives you. That's really, really important. Um, so many people just go undiagnosed with thyroid. As you said, adrenal fatigue, so especially stage three, the flat curve um, that doesn't look pretty. Um, you know, for some women, it's... Um, I mean, I see that with sometimes with estrogen dominance or low progesterone levels, um, the fatigue 
maybe not as a predominant symptom, but it's a lot of times correspondent to that. Obviously, people with insulin resistance, which is another hormonal challenge we're talking about here. Um, and again, you know, those are all conditions that can be so so totally reversed. And the insulin resistance is, like I said, ditch all the you know cereals for breakfast and start doing the protein, fat, and fiber kind of a breakfast and real food. In face, in fact, you know, you I know you come from a Asian uh, heritage and you, you always post a lot of stuff on Facebook about your own journey. You know, I grew up in Asia. I grew up, I spent 22 years of my life in Asia and I had always a lot of international friends. And the thing is that when you, when I recalled, when I was working on a project and I started thinking about breakfasts around the world, it's like, I mean, the Chinese would have dim sum, the Indians would have, you know, some parata with, with lentils, right? You know, then we have the dim sums and the, the Japanese would have like miso soup with a bit of rice and a piece of fish. It's like nobody eats sugar for breakfast. You know, no one. It's always savory breakfast. And it's mm-hmm. almost like a resembling dinner. So really, I mean, the whole thing with, it just kills me. What You know, with, it's, it's those are simple things that we can do to really help ourselves and start off with breakfast. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing when, you know, reflecting on the standard American diet, it's like cereal and, um, you know, milk and uh, donuts, muffins, like it's all sugar, right? And yeah. um, when we eat back the way we, like our ancestors ate, our grandparents, it's like you just eat what you had for dinner as breakfast. It's it's really not that hard, you know? So, um, okay, great. Now, as far as um, the hormones, okay, we talked about energy, hormones that could be affecting your energy. One thing that people come to me or ask a lot about is is weight, right? Like they're, they're concerned because they can't lose weight and sometimes hormones come into play um, as well. So in your experience, what are some of the main culprits when someone's trying to lose weight, but they're really having a problem? Which hormones are, are causing a problem for them? So again, thyroid, number one, I would say um, estrogen, estrogen dominance, another one. Estrogen is highly inflammatory. Um, so is cortisol. So anything with adrenal fatigue, stage two, uh, definitely can be a cause. Stage two, when you have high, adren- high cortisol levels, and cortisol is a steroid. So if you think about it, like you basically, every time you're stressed out, you're injecting yourself with, with <laughs> steroid. That's what cortisol does to you. Uh, you know, with, um, I mean, I do see sometimes women with high testosterone levels having, it's actually quite interesting. Um, there's an info, infographic I just posted on my Facebook page. We just, I just had it created of how b- body fat is distributed in different parts in which it will show you what is the potential um, hormonal imbalance is causing that fat distribution. So for example, testosterone will be typically hiding around your belly area. So the women, the apple size of, you know, this apple size, right? Women um, tend to be high at, at testosterone levels um, where estrogen dominance, for example, tends to be around our hips and our butt and thighs, right? So cellulite, for example, is a good example of estrogen dominance. Um, yeah, so those, those are the, I think those are the main culprits. Ah, I love it. I'm gonna have to grab in if if you don't mind, I'll share on the show notes for this yeah. po- for this uh, podcast. Awesome. Yeah. So I, you know, one of the things you're really good at is, um, you know, helping people, you know, cook and incorporate these these foods into their um, into their life so that they can heal their hormones naturally. So, um, you know, if someone is struggling in the kitchen, I don't know, is this something you help with? But like, what are some great tips that you can share for where do people even start to um, to start like kitchen basics, right? Like easy things that they can do if they just don't know where to, to start in the kitchen. Right. 
Okay, so the first thing I would recommend is to, well, two things. Let's just talk about two things tonight. One is uh, definitely breakfast, you know, like I was talking about it earlier. My favorite ways of preparing breakfast is to, a smoothie doesn't have to be sweet. A smoothie can be totally made savory, believe it or not. And if you go to my website, there is a number of different um, uh, recipes for savory breakfast, savory smoothies. So just to give you an example, it might sound a little bit radical, but actually tastes really good. When I was doing it at first time, I was like, oh my God, that is kind of weird. But it uses, <laughs> you know, it uses zucchini and sauerkraut and cumin and, um, and some nuts and seeds and just water um, and blending it up. And the sauerkraut just gives it a really nice tangy feeling. And so I basically call it the tangy zucchini uh, smoothie. No sugar now whatsoever, right? Um, you know, and then things like, for example, starting off with a muffin. Um, I really like, again, there are some recipes on my website for savory muffins, like the zucchini um, zucchini muffins are they're grain free. They're using almond flour. If you can do almonds, you can substitute it with with any other um, nut uh, uh, flour, or you can substitute it with rice flour if you can tolerate grains. Um, again, it uses like rosemary, zucchinis, black olives. It's absolutely wonderful, and olive oil in it. It's just a wonderful, you know, grab grab to go kind of a breakfast. You can even have it in a car if you need to. I'm not saying you should be eating breakfast on the run, but <laughs> some people, the reality is that you do. And even with smoothies, a lot of times I get a pushback saying, you know, I have no time for making breakfast. Um, you can make a smoothie the night before or the same day. I mean, really, it's just about throwing things in a blender. Once you get used to it, it's so easy. And bringing it out with a tumbler with you, with a flask, and you know you can just chomp it down when you um, when you're doing the running around. That's that's one thing. You know the other um, big thing for I think for dinner. Uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent of having really early dinner as early as possible, as light as possible. There's a Chinese saying: make breakfast your best friend, lunch your acquaintance, right, and dinner your enemy. In Western culture, we do it the opposite way, right? Um, on the contrary. Uh, and the reason why I say this about dinners is because dinners should be light because they are going to be impacting your digestion and your liver. And you want your liver to free up your liver to do its work, which is there's a lot of work the liver is doing between one and three o'clock in the morning. So give your body an opportunity to do, to do that. What can you do for dinner? You know, uh, one of my favorite dinners, especially if it's not elaborate, it's just something really simple is to steam vegetables. And so, you know, putting vegetables like broccoli, kale, charts, whatever you like, um, into a steamer, steaming them for five minutes, or seven at the most. And, um, and then, you know, I always have like three, four different um, dressings in the fridge, right? So like, for example, one would be um, and the dressing is a homemade dressing. I'm not talking about buying like a ranch dressing from a supermarket. I'm talking about homemade dressings with a, in a blender. So one of my favorites, is just a classic one would be, you know, you just put olive oil together with balsamic vinegar, some sea salt and oregano or rosemary, dried ones, um, shake it up, right? Give it a good shake. And if you keep that in the fridge, if you keep it in the fridge with olive oil, it's going gonna, it's gonna to harden. So you can dilute that with um, avocado oil. That's going to keep it really nice and much more liquid. But the thing is that if you just take out a tablespoon, right, and put it on top of your veggies, it melts anyway. Mm. And so you have this really wonderful, delicious dinner in a matter of, in a matter of minutes. Um, sometimes, you know, I would keep a bowl of, because I, I do grains, I, I don't, you know, I, I can tolerate grains. And so I don't do processed grains, like I don't do flowers, but I do full grains. 
I always have like a, a pot of quinoa or rice, brown rice in the fridge, and I would probably warm that up to have it with the veggies if I wanted to. Um, another dressing that is very, very like uh, smooth and very uh, like a soothing in some ways is one that, uh, that uses tahini, right, mm. which is um, sesame paste. So using tahini, using miso, uh, organic non-GMO miso with olive oil and lemon, and you just put that in the blender, maybe add some water so that you can give it a good spin. Um, add some garlic if you want to. And, um, you know, and, and it, it has this kind of a cheesy consistency, which many people are missing, especially when they start giving up dairy. Um, and that's another great one to put it over. You know, one of my favorite ways is just like to um, to do it with with um, asparagus as and um, asparagus and broccoli. And I just have that dressing on top. Simple. Oh, all those recipes sound delicious and amazing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And they sound so simple. So thank you for those. Yeah. As far as you've given so many practical tips, right? Um, any takeaways that you want people to know? Like, what can they do today or tomorrow that will make the biggest difference in how they feel and, and to start balancing their hormones? You know, so let's just say I will give it two approaches. One is if a person is really, if you're new on this journey, you're just starting out, right? Then just pick as the simplest thing. Like if you're taking notes from this show or you listen, you just listen to it, take one thing that resonates with you and change that. Mm. And and then move on to the next thing. Because we get otherwise we get super overwhelmed. If you're just starting out on this, and I gave a lot of tips here, then if you go to my website, it's like, whoa, all the stuff that she's talking about. Just start off with one thing and you know, and, and take it whether it's breakfast, whether it's you know, uh, what else did we talk about? Um, giving up gluten or some replacing dairy, right? And then if you are, you have been on this journey already and, and you still, you know, not in a hundred percent, then, you know, one thing I have learned in this work is that there is pick the one thing you feel like you have the most resistance around, because that could be the one thing that will make the biggest difference in your healing journey. Mm. And I say this because it started off with me with a realization, I really can do coffee and it's not because of my adrenals, but because it makes me really mean. And I really mean like I have a need to be mean to the person I love the most. And that's my partner, which is totally ridiculous. Right. Mm. And I just had to stop. So actually that's part of the reason why I made this doesn't look very pretty anymore, but um, it's uh, what I made here. It's not coffee because I don't drink coffee anymore, but it is uh, roasted chicory root that has got a very similar, that's sort of a smoky, you know, consistent taste of coffee. And I put it in a blender together with coconut butter and in one date. And I give it a nice spin and it's a great latte uh, that becomes that way. But you know, so that was my resistance about, around caffeine because it's a very addictive substance. So my question for you is like, what is the one thing you have the most resistance around and, and, and work on that? Awesome. Thank you so much, Magdalena. I know you've got a ton of projects in the works. What's something that you're very excited about um, that you want to share with people? And then if people want to get a hold of you, how do they, how do they find you? Yeah, so hormonesbalance.com, which is the URL down below, and I've got a gift for everybody. Um, it's a giveaway that shows you a couple of things you can do to support your hormones through nutrition and essential oils. So that's a pretty cool one. And uh, so that's my website. And, you know, I'm excited about my book that's coming up um, that I'm writing right now. But I, before the book comes out, there is some, um, if you are interested to know more about how, how to cook for hormonal health, then go to cookingforbalance.com. It's an online cooking show I run, which teaches women how to cook for hormones. 
Awesome. Yeah, I remember you, you, we were talking about that cooking for balance. And it just looks like, you know, for the people who um, just don't know where to begin in the kitchen, I think that's a great place. It's like you can watch Magdalena show you step by step how to do these recipes. So I think that's an amazing program that you have put together. Yeah, um, it's uh, thank you. It's, it's, it's for people who are starting out, but also people who are kind of like, you know, wanna wanna expand their knowledge. So like chicory root is not a daily drink for everybody, right? But you know, it's, um, so it's, it's for most sophisticated users as well, as well as the beginner. So for both, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Magdalena, for coming on and sharing your knowledge. And I loved all those recipes that you shared. And I love the fact that you have the, the Flackers recipe in your free guide. So I'll make sure that we link it up in the show notes. And again, it's I think it's hormones balance slash gift, right? Is That's where right. they can get that. Okay, yeah. great. Well, it's been a pleasure. And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed the show. All the links and resources mentioned today are in the show notes at drann.com, spelled A-N-H as in healthy. And while you're there, remember to hop on the Food as Medicine VIP email list and you'll get my free gift. It's the clean eating rules and it's everything that I learned about nutrition when I was on my bodybuilding journey, which happens to be contrary to many of the things I learned in school. And it's really my number one guide from my experience for how to eat to lose weight, improve your biometrics, and get more energy. You'll also get all my favorite pearls from the show. And this show can be a bit technical at times with lots of details about what foods to eat, what foods to avoid, as well as what supplements to take and in what dosages, etc. So if you're anything like me, you're probably listening to this while driving, cooking, running some errands around the house, walking the dog, etc. And you really aren't in a position to be jotting down notes of all the great information that's shared by the guest. So... I've taken all the notes for you, and by hopping on my email list, you'll get all the show pearls delivered right to your inbox so you can refer back to them at any time. Finally, as a VIP email subscriber, you'll get the occasional love letters from me, which are emails sharing some of my favorite recipes and products, upcoming events, new information that I've learned, and just other goodies. So go to drann.com now and enter your name and email address. Did you like this episode? Then remember to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode and leave us a review. This will really help us with the iTunes rankings and help more people find the show. Remember to tell all your friends because we need more people to hear the food as medicine message. We've got plenty of great guests coming up, so stay tuned. Thanks so much for stopping by. And until next time, remember to eat consciously because the world needs a healthy and vibrant you. Mm -hmm.